The medical device industry has recently seen a lot of progress when it comes to security, but there are still many myths and misunderstandings that abound which continue to hamper device safety. Hello, I'm Joan Goodchild, Director of Multimedia Content with Information Security Media Group, and today we're speaking with Dr. Suzanne Schwartz. She's the Associate Director for Science and Strategic Partnerships at the FDA's Center for Devices and Radiological Health. Dr. Schwartz, let's start by having you tell us what you think the current state of device security is today and what progress we've seen in recent years. We have seen a fair amount of progress, progress that's been very encouraging, both from the standpoint of greater situational awareness across all of what we call the stakeholders in the medical device ecosystem, whether that's the manufacturers whom we regulate, whether that are uh, whether that is the healthcare delivery organization and healthcare providers, and uh, working across also the security research community too. So really being able to first of all uh, bring that collective together towards problem solving, towards addressing some of these uh, extraordinary challenges. There's been a lot of progress there. Uh, there's been a, uh, a real awakening in terms of the gravity of medical device cybersecurity and the need to attend to cybersecurity of medical devices uh, in a timely manner. So with regard to manufacturers, if I had to point out specific areas uh, that uh, we've seen great progress, it is in being more forward-leaning in adopting what we call coordinated disclosure, establishing policies and processes within their firm so that they can be best prepared to receive information around medical device vulnerabilities and uh, not only receive that information, but work internally and work with partners, with collaborators to assess that information and then appropriately communicate uh, around the vulnerability as well as the mitigations in order to reduce the potential for risk to patients. What are the biggest myths out there about device security that challenge the FDA? I love this question, Joan, because we spend a lot of time when we speak publicly, as well as in our uh, formal writings and materials, dispelling some of the myths that are present uh, around this particular topic area. And in fact, um, we have outward facing on our webpage a fact sheet, an FDA fact sheet that includes a listing of what these myths and dispelling them so that one can understand the facts. I want to highlight for you two in particular that have uh, been perpetuated, and it's really important that the public understands that these are myths. One of them is this notion that cybersecurity for medical devices is optional, that medical device manufacturers need not address it, that it's only a recommendation, that it's, that it's non-binding. And we know where that myth comes from. It comes from the fact that we articulate our policy through guidance, and guidance will state on the top that it's non-binding recommendations. But let me clarify, really uh, important here, that when we use guidance, it's providing a recommended how-to for the industry to achieve the ability to uh, adhere to the requirements that are already in place, whether they are 
statutory or regulatory requirements. And so we have every expectation that cybersecurity for medical devices is to be adhered to by manufacturers and that it falls under a much larger overarching framework, regulatory framework called the Quality Systems Regulation, the QSR. Medical device manufacturers understand that for different kinds of risks that emerge over the years, that addressing those risks are part of the quality system regulation. And cybersecurity is no different from that. So cybersecurity for medical devices is not optional. Manufacturers must comply with federal regulations and where that fits is really aligned with over the, the uh, all-consuming QSR, the quality system regulation. The guidance is merely providing a potential how-to in order for manufacturers to get to that point. So that's an important distinction. Another one that really becomes important, especially around the issue of devices that have been on the market for a long time and that need to be updated, that need to be patched, uh, that need to receive fixes, there's this notion uh, that manufacturers have to come back to FDA each and every time they want to do an update, a software update or a fix to that uh, or a patch to that device in order for that device to be quote-unquote recertified right. before that can actually be deployed. And that's an important myth to dispel as well because as we state in our guidance, and have we, as we've stated publicly, that the modifications that are made, the changes made to a device that are solely to strengthen cybersecurity, and by that we mean the updates and patches, software patches, those kinds of updates, we consider them enhancements. They do not require re-engaging with the FDA formally or informally in terms of having that device recertified. Now, I will say where some of this kind of also gets lost is that that doesn't mean that an update, if it's available through a third party, can simply be deployed the way one might deploy one to a laptop or to a non-medical device because there's still an obligation on the manufacturer to do something called verification and validation. That is to ensure that with the deploying of such a patch is that it isn't going to interfere with the essential performance, the functionality of that device, because that could introduce different additional risks to patient harm. So manufacturers need to do that internally, and they know that, but they do not need to come back to FDA each and every time a software update is to be made available to address a cybersecurity vulnerability that uh, is identified. So those are two examples. I think that those are probably the two most important examples that I would uh, you know, uh, illustrate here. So what's coming in the future with regard to guidance from the FDA on device security? Yes, so uh, an important question because one uh, key 
concept that we emphasize all the time is that this is a space that's rapidly moving, that's evolving, and that as we uh, at the FDA, as well as you know, the entire ecosystem, learns from experiences uh, that have occurred or incidents that have occurred uh, over the past few years, we're going to continue to adjust and continue to improve based upon what those uh, experiences and incidents teach us so that essentially as a collective, as a whole of community, we're moving to a place of a stronger, more robust cybersecurity. And, um, and that idea of really kind of moving the needle means that we'll continue to revisit uh, and to consider the hallmarks, you know, the, the uh, elements that we've already incorporated in our final guidances, both the pre-market and post-market, with the expectation that if there is a need to um, adjust those guidances uh, and incorporate new components, that we would, you know, we would do so uh, also with the kind of input received from the uh, from the community from the ecosystem. So I think that that's an important um, point to make here and that we don't consider this one, or one and done, that our work is completed with the issuance of final guidance, but rather that it's a living document. And just in the same way, if I can use a comparison here, just in the same way as the uh, NIST framework for improving critical infrastructure cybersecurity has uh, gone through an iterative process as it re-engages with the public and private sector to take a close look at what's happening and where changes need to be made to further strengthen cybersecurity, we mirror that effort, really. We see the importance of doing so as we learn more. And another important point to emphasize here is that this is a maturity model in, in, in the grandest um, scheme of things in that um, you can't move someone from zero to 100, but one can move incrementally based upon observing the kinds of changes and maturation that we're seeing and really raising the bar uh, iteratively as we see further changes being put in place. Dr. Schwartz, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. For ISMG, I'm Joan Goodchild.